Jesus, as we bow our heads, we bow our hearts to recognize who you are. The word beautiful carries with it so many different connotations. Maybe not even so much as looks, but just a beautiful God that you are, the loving God that you are, the affectionate God that you are, the forgiving God that you are. We just come before you today to honor and understand that you are worthy. You are worthy. We give you praise, honor, and glory. We give you the privilege and the, and the right to speak to us today because you are God and we are not. So today, Jesus, prepare our hearts. May we hear from you. May we not be sitting here thinking for somebody else, but for us ourselves. May we challenge ourselves to grow, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. All right, good to have you here today. All right, Rog, down just a tad on the volume there. Not, not, not yet, guys. You can, you can leave that light on if you'd like. Thank you. Two announcements for you as we get ready to go today. Two things I really need to do, and one of them has to do with the fact that we're having baptisms. At the end of service, if you will take it, we're going to have announcements. Rog, who's on announcements today? you on announcements? After announcements, take a 10-minute break. I have to meet with the people who are getting baptized up over here. After 10 minutes, we'll call you back in. Pastor Dale will give us a little bit of an intro then. They have to get some microphones and things set up. And when the baptisms are done, we have a bunch of cupcakes to celebrate and enjoy for you to be here to give thanks and praise. And when these people are baptized, we are going to cheer them loud. Let's practice one time. woo <laughs> Eh, not too bad. That's not too bad. I like to hear that when I'm done preaching, if you don't mind. So, <laughs> Second thing, now he's, he's, he's thanking the Lord before I said anything. So, And the other thing I'd like to say is tomorrow is Veterans Day. And we thank so many people who are in the military right now, men and women, and those who have served. We want to just take a minute to let you know we support you. We love you. We support our military. Would you please, if you're a veteran, would you please stand this morning? Please stand for us. Wherever you're at, go ahead. Stand up there. Stay standing. Back in the back there. Thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, that middle light is not on there, so one of those other things get turned off there. I don't know if the switch is off there, Roger, or if something popped. How about that? All right. And we're going down in the water and the electricity's not working. That's a good sign, so. All right. Thanks, Roger. Take me down just a tad there, buddy. Now, I don't know what it is. All right. I wanted to start off this morning in regards to military and vets this morning. You have a set of sermon notes in there. You're welcome to follow along. Pull out your smartphone. I have a video clip that I want to show you. Some of you have heard the quality of it isn't the best because it was taken on a, on a, on a cell phone. And the, but the words are there and you can see it. I don't know if you've heard of Ben Crenshaw. He, he ran for Congress in Texas. He's, guy, he's the guy that you saw on the news. He's got the eye patch. And about 72 hours before this whole thing kind of blew up with SNL, he lost his, he's a Navy SEAL, he lost his eye in Afghanistan. And he went on, um, uh, uh, the, the, the comedian on Saturday Night Live began to make fun of him. Made fun of him because of his patch, made fun of him, and compared him to a really low-life individual. And one of the things that I love about the strength and the character of military 
is in his response to people asking him, oh, were you offended? If you could just kill all of these lights up here and play that video for me. Thank you so much. One of the things I just absolutely love about that is the strength that he has. The strength of character he has. The, the uh, uh, amazing principles that he has. And they even asked him, do you, do you think the guy should apologize? And he's like, and I'm not going to demand no apology from the guy. He says he probably should, but he says he, he's stronger than that. He's above that. I love several things about the military, and I thank you all so very much. I love the fact that they fight for our freedom, and we don't have to. I love that fact. I don't have to go fight. They fight for me, and they're okay with that. They're willing to take time from their family. I know men and women who took time from their family. So I don't have to take time from my family that I can spend time with my family. Uh, they've made a decision in their mind that if it's necessary, they've already settled it in their mind. They've settled it in their mind that they're going to give their lives no matter what. And the big thing for me is they are willing to put up with people that don't like what they're doing. They're willing to put up to pe with people that will complain about it, make fun of them. They're willing to do all of that, and then they say this. That's the reason we went and fought for them. So they have the right to disagree with us. That is a strength of character. In the top of your notes there, I have loving people from inconvenience. This is what I see our military does. They love from their inconvenience. They're willing to do that. They think it's a great high honor to do that for their country and for you and for me. They're loving people from an inconvenience. And today we're in Philippians. God has a letter to you. God has a letter to you. God has a letter for you in Philippians. He's got some words for you and for me. It's coming from a man who was treated unjustly. I want you to look at his amazing principles. He, he's in constant physical discomfort. His privileges are limited to what somebody over him says. This is the life of a man in the first century in jail, in prison. He relies on people for his basic needs because in that day and age, they didn't have no government supplying bedding and food and everything else. He was really relying on other Christians to help take care of him. He wouldn't waste his time complaining. Matter of fact, we won't look at it today, but if you look at verse 11, he says, I just want you to know that what has happened to me has helped to further the gospel. Can you say that? Do you see that? All of what has possibly happened to us. And I take a look at him here today, and I ask the question, it's in your notes, whose side are you on? When I say that, you may be thinking, well, I'm on this side or that side. That's not the question. The question is, who knows? You are on their side. Because when Paul wrote to the Philippians, they knew he was on their side. And though this was written and inspired by the Spirit of God, it is out there for you and for me 
to not just be on the receiving end of what is said, but for us as growing Christians and mature Christians to be on the giving side, to become the Pauls of our day and in this church today. That's what I want you to take a look at. Number one, I want you to look at the power of the approach. The power of the approach. Can I ask you a question? Maybe you have power where you work. Maybe your wife gives you power at home. Maybe there's some power that you have that you... Have you ever convinced somebody by a gentle approach? Have you ever convinced somebody other than something that has been forced on somebody or maybe you're the boss? Do you have the ability with words, with caring, with love to convince somebody? Look at verse 3. Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, I hope that you understand and see that, but, you know, probably they say the most important word, the, most, the word that we love more than anything else in the English language, you know the word we like, is our name, Evan. And he uses the word you. He says, I remember you. You ever told anybody that? Have you spoken to anybody? We're on the giving side of this. I hope that you're receiving, but on the giving, on the encouraging side of this, we love to be remembered, but how about the giving side of it? Who have you spoken to? Like Paul has said, you know, I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God. You know, have you told anybody that lately? Or is it just rattling around? Has the world and the Christian become what you can get out of it? How you can constantly be encouraged? Because today the script is flipped. It is for us to go out there and to be like Paul. The power was approached, verse 4. In all my prayers for all of you, there's that word again, you, He's not thinking about himself. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. These people are on the receiving end. Who's on the receiving end of your prayers? Who's on the receiving end? Does anybody know? Have you told anybody? Well, I'm not about bragging. No, this is about encouraging somebody. Have you told anybody I enjoy praying for you? I pray with joy for you. You are a part of, you've been a part of the gospel, you know? This is the difference between saying, well, yeah, people know I'm praying for them. It's like the, it's like the couple that's been together for a long, 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 long time, and one says to the other, I don't know if it's the husband or the wife, or the wife or the husband says, you know, uh, you never tell me you love me anymore. And, of course, the reply is, you know I do. You know I do. No, no, people like to hear it. Paul wrote it down in a letter, not so you and I could just hear it, so that we could say it. This is kind of letting us know where we're at in our Christian walk. We're here to say, you know, there's this powerful approach that he has. He didn't just pray for people. He communicated to them, I've been praying for you, and I'm glad to do it. That's so much joy when I think about you. He says he's so glad because of the partnership that they have. Now, the wonderful thing about church and relationship is, is there's all kinds of people here. You've been in ministry with people for a long time. You could basically go to them and say, you know, Nancy, how, how many years we've been in ministry together, doing it together. I'm thankful for the fact that you've never jumped ship. We're here together. Maybe there's some that have jumped ship, but the truth is, is you know somebody, his approach is just wonderful. What if he just took and you copied a little bit? What if you wrote it by hand? What if he didn't send it by email? You just got to pick up a card. Five people! And just wrote it out and said, this makes me think of you. And you could take a little note or jot a little something down. I know it's going to probably take ten minutes and you're going to have to buy a stamp. Is anybody you know worth it? Just asking. Verse 6, pretty familiar passage of Scripture. 
being confident of this. Paul is on their side, and he's confident in this, that he, Jesus Christ, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Move that bad boy down. Thank you. Thank you. Everything in the lives of the Philippians was perfect. They needed nothing, right? They didn't need any spiritual help. They didn't need anything. No. You know that they needed something, just like you and I know somebody that needs. We know people who need something in their spiritual life. We wish they'd learn something, and of course it's not us, it's everybody else. He just said to them, I'm confident in something. I know there's some people we don't have much confidence in. You just think you're over and over and over doing the same thing. But he spoke to them, not about confidence in them, but about Jesus Christ's confidence to do a work in them. Can you imagine saying these words to somebody? You know, I've seen where you've begun. I've seen where you started. You know, I know you're not there. But I'm confident of what Jesus Christ can do in your life. Even though you're talking about the power of what Jesus could do, it says to them, and they're just like, they feel good about it. He, I never know that I've really ever seen this before, but it almost seemed to me, oftentimes when I read this in the past, it looked like he was confident in what they could do. It was, I, it was my bad. Because you and I could say, as stubborn or as stuck in the mud as somebody may be spiritually, we can say, I'm confident in what Jesus can do in your life, because that's what he was saying. Who knows? Maybe that's the thing that we'll need to catapult them. See, we can speak words of love to those who are not in a good place spiritually. Paul knew how to get, be hard on him. There's no doubt about it. You pick up First or Second Corinthians. He knew how to speak a hard word. These people need spiritual growth. And he just decided, I'm not harping on them. Maybe it's time for a different approach. Paul's approach that he teaches us. He trusts in the continuing work of Jesus Christ. And this is the kind of caring for each other that is supposed to make the world jealous of us. You remember the words of Jesus? The world outside will know that you are Christians by the way you love each other, by the way you care about each other. This is supposed to let people know, man, there's something about those people. This is supposed to be what Jesus said, you know, care about people as much as you care about yourself. And so the approach is, hey, I'm thinking about you. Who's going to grow up today and think about somebody else and tell them that? How many of us are going to be challenged? I'm praying with joy for you. I'm glad for the partnership I've had with you in ministry and spreading the gospel. And I'm confident of Jesus continuing work in you. Number one, whose side are you on? Well, look at the power of his approach. They all knew Paul was on their side. Number two, look at the effect of his affection. The effect of his... Now, you know what affection is. Affection really can be described... You really know what it is when you have it or you receive it. It's this warmth. It's this warmth of, of, of affection. It's this warmth of emotions and feelings. It's when the endorphins kick in. It's when you sing a song and you, and you just sense the presence of the Lord. You have emotions. There's, they're for our spiritual, they're for our practical, they're for our physical... You know, you, you hear, I can hear a song. Maria and I got a song that when we were engaged and when we knew when we were dating, we hear the song. You feel emotions, goosebumps, you know. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. It's almost like, were they, were they, were they thinking it wasn't right? It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains, that's going to be a key word for us, everybody. This is helping you see and understand. He's in prison. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. 
Here's a picture. Here's these Christians. Can't you just see it? They're all sitting around. They get this letter. Paul gives it to somebody to deliver from jail. They take the letter. They're opening it. They're reading it together. Can't you just picture it? They're reading it. They're seeing. They're hearing it. You know, it's right for me to feel this way about you guys. Paul knows the balance between encouraging words and strong words. Some of our personalities really kind of tend more towards constantly strong words. He's trying to teach us a different approach. He's going to teach us the effect of affection. Paul knows how to balance, and he's not afraid to share how he feels about the Philippians. Sometimes sharing our affections, that's a little bit more difficult. But I say it with a caution, because in this world, you start to share your affection sometimes, it can get really wigged out really quick. It's, we're in a crazy world, man. We always tell people, you know, men at the altar pray with men. Women pray with women. We don't ever, you know, be careful of the... Somehow or another, use your head. You know, be careful hugging women too long. They come to me and complain. I wish this guy wouldn't hang on to me so long. It's just like, you know, well, smack them. Say something to them. They'll survive. Why do I always have to be the bad guy? Let's use our heads, everybody. But can't we not express our affections with a few kind words? Maybe with our husband or wife there or something like that. We really appreciate that. However... The effect of, of affections, you know. Yeah. Sometimes we, we think some things are, are, are wonderful affections, you know. I got this in the mail the other day, this card. It says, Maria, I love you. Yeah, that's what I said. I wasn't laughing. And they got this custom diamond pendant. So I put it on the kitchen table. She was getting her up, and I signed, Evan, here's your Christmas gift. <laughs> now, not the pendant. This, this is your Christmas gift. And then she laughed and turned over and said, did you see you signed it? I said, yeah, I didn't know. Well, they knew my name. They threw it on the back there. Hey, signed Evan, love Evan. I'm like, how do these people know about me? Now, you can, you can fake that kind of love and affection when you've been married 36 years. But men, that, that, I don't advise that. Affection. Real affection, not, not some fake, trumped-up kind of uh, affection. The, uh, the effect of the affection that he has here, he, he's saying to them, you know, there's something beyond just Christians. Don't we have enough against each other? There is enough against us. Why don't we bind ourselves together? Why don't we bond together? Why don't we get on each other's side? Why don't we give each other a little bit of slack, this effect that he has on them? He realized this. The word chain there is a really interesting situation. Do you know what Satan was hoping? You know, this guy's been traveling all over with his missionary message, spreading the gospel everywhere. I'll bet you if I put him in prison, I can stop it. And he said, verse 12, verse 11, he says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has caused to spread the gospel. You have to ask yourself this question. What's your chain? What did Satan do to you to make you think he could stop you spreading the gospel? He's hoping, and he, you know he realized, doggone it, no matter what I do with Paul, he spreads the gospel. What has happened to you? What disappointment, what sickness, what situation has happened to you? And Satan thinks, I'm going to get them to just become lukewarm. I'm just going to get them to back off just a little bit. I'm going to get them to be angry and, and frustrated with the church and whatever else it might be. We've all had them. I've had them too, and mine's bigger than yours. 
That was supposed to be a joke. We all think that. Paul had a chain. And every one of us does too. And Satan is hoping that you will back off. But let's push through. Verse 8. God can testify how I long for all of you. With the affection of Christ Jesus. With the affection of Christ Jesus. If I was to ask you today to write down some of the characteristics of Jesus Christ, you might write, he's forgiving. You might write, he's gracious. He's good to us. You know, he, he supplies our needs. You might write all of those, and then I would say, well, well, how do you get forgiveness? If he gets it, you know to repent. And we could go through a lot of characteristics. I don't know how many of us would write down the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, you ask yourself the question, if I'm going to, Paul is functioning in the affection of Christ Jesus in his life. I want to let you know what I know in regards to how do you get the love of Christ, the affection of Jesus Christ to fill you so you can pour it out to other people. I learned this from Gary Wright. He was preaching a sermon a long time ago. I didn't hear a lot of things, but I heard this one story he told, and he told the story of some people that he knew that continually prayed this prayer. I've taught it and taught it and taught it. I hope you practice it. Here's the prayer. Jesus Will you show me today that you love me? Uh, will you show me today that you love me? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Because when Jesus Christ shows you specifically something he does that shows you he loves you, something that happens that day, you are filled with his unmistakable love and affection, which enables you to give it to somebody else. I have been teaching this to people. I've used it in counseling. i tell you one quick story I've told before. I was working with a woman who was going through a divorce, and uh, I prayed this prayer with her before she left, because sometimes, you know, we just don't have much for people. And you just turn them over. I'm going to ask Jesus to show you he loves you. The next time she came back together, uh, she said that one of the things that she loves more than anything is the night sky with a full moon. Just beautiful, bright, and full moon. She had a pickup truck. The moon was out. She pulled over, opened the rooftop, and she said she started to weep. Because the one thing that she loved, she had sensed and the, that God had picked that prayer up and just poured it out on her. And she says... God showed me he loved me in spite of all of this. And then she said something I'll never forget. She said, Evan, it was like God mooned me. <laughs> and I could tell you story after story. Do you have your story of how God has showed you that he loves you? The effect of this affection, because the effect of affection moves people to spiritual growth. Don't try to give it out if you don't have it in. The power of the approach Paul is teaching us, and I'm trying to challenge us to be Paul's for our day. He, he shows the effect of the affection, and he uses this precise prayer, number three. A very precise prayer, verse nine. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Let's just pause there really quickly. Folks, this is not a generic prayer. Hey, I'm praying for you. This is generic love. I'm praying for your love. This is, a, this is a powerful, very specific prayer. He wants them to have knowledge. Because when they gain knowledge, this is like Ephesians 1.19, I believe it is. This is prayed several times by Paul. He wants them to have this knowledge of who God is, because knowledge of who God is takes us to a place that we're not at most of the time. It takes us to the next level, and then the next level, and the next level. It helps us know, okay, well, I know this. Now, how do I put it into practice? He wants them to have depth 
of insight. This is spiritual growth. This prayer is for their spiritual growth. Who are you praying for this for? It's not a bad one to pray for ourselves, but who is it that needs this depth of insight? He's not hoping their IQ increases. He is hoping and praying that they will go deeper in their spiritual growth. This is a very precise prayer. It grows. He has a love for them, and he wants them to have love for spiritual things. Now, um, our kids at one time had this idea, had this thought, you know, they had this idea of a love to have a dog. They, it was a thought. They loved the idea of loving a dog and having a dog. And they, you know, the dog cuddles up with them, the dog licks them. Unfortunately, they probably licked the dog, you know. And back, they, they just love the whole thought of the loving it. But there's another part of it, and I told them specifically, you know, if you love your dog, you're going to make sure it's got water. You're going to make sure it has food. You're going to make sure you put the collar on. You're going to make sure you give it a bath. You're going to have to do all those other things. And they loved all of the little simple, easy things about love, but they were constantly having to be told to give the dog food and water and give it a bath. Paul does not want us to have surface love. This is a specific love This is a specific prayer that has insight and depth of insight and spiritual growth and knowledge. Here's a precise prayer, verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best, would you please circle the word best? So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with, just overflowing with fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Do you know the difference between good, very good, and best? You know, uh, you want an employee, he was a good employee, or do you want to have say, he's the best? You know the difference in your spiritual life besides decisions that are, are good decisions and very good decisions and what is best? You know, it's always interesting the choices that we have to make, and you have them to make. You have decisions to make. Okay, should I go out to eat on Wednesday nights with my Christian friends? I'm fellowshipping, or should I be in Bible study, learning and growing and being stretched? One is good, the other is best. He is wanting for them what is best. Do you know that I was taught this a long time ago? Do you want what's best for your spiritual life? Are you okay just kind of muddying around, playing a little bit of lukewarm Christianity? He's stretching them. He has this precise prayer for them. The power of the approach that he has, the effect of his affection. He knows that he wants them to be blameless and pure. Ultimately, you know what this is all leading to? Holiness. He wants them to be pure. How many people don't even think they could be pure? They think, oh, I can be pure for a while, and then I stumble and fall and ask for forgiveness. I can't continue to live pure. How many people know that you can live blameless? He, you'll never know it and get it unless you have depth of insight and, and, and knowledge into what the Scriptures teach rather than what we hear in books and hear all over the place. All of this leads to a life that eventually overflows with good deeds. And since God gave His best, what would be so wrong with us giving Him back our best? What are you going to do to continue to stretch yourself? What are you going to do to pray? What are you going to do for somebody else? What a great nine verses, however many verses it is, for you and I to live for somebody else. You know it will come back around. 
It's so easy to be on the receiving side. I have in your notes when someone is cheering for you, you know. When somebody's cheering for you, it's so much easier. My kids have done some sports and stuff like that. It's amazing the number of parents who never show up to cheer their kids on. I think about people in the military. People in the military now, whenever I think about the, they turn the TV, they're in another country, they're suffering, they're, they're struggling, they're in a sandstorm, or they're frozen to death, and they, they turn on the TV and people are complaining about the military. One thing happens, all of them are bad. You know, eight years of uh, just sucking the military dry, come to find out they don't hardly have nothing, no raises. You know, it's nice to be able to turn the TV on or to receive a package or to receive something in the military to say, we, we love you, we're encouraged by you. Thank you for your service. My dad served in Korea the last 10 days. I ran across two different uh, men, older gentlemen, who were in the military. I stopped to talk to them. <laughs> One guy was telling me everything that he did. We did this, we did this, we, uh, we, uh, we were underwater welders, this, that, that. He said, we were Navy SEALs before there were such a thing as Navy SEALs. You know, have you thanked somebody? who served in the military. You know what it's like to be cheered on. Paul is calling you and me to pick up these words and to cheer somebody on. Maybe your husband, it may be your wife, it may be five people. Five, six, it's not a whole group, it's, it's some people. When someone is cheering us on, it, it, the words permeate us. Instead of just always cutting down and always being against, Paul teaches me there's a lot of different ways. There's a different approach to this, Evan. And that's why in your notes, uh, the asterisks I have, it's just simple. Just be there for somebody else. You know, it's just something about it. I don't know. I need to be reminded of that. Be there for somebody else to encourage them in their spiritual growth. Have you become the e or of their life, the grumpenizer? I just made that up. You can use that free. What are you to them? You got grandkids? You got children? Nieces, nephews, aunts, whoever it might be? It's a really freeing thing to pray. I'm confident that Jesus Christ can finish the work he started in you. Man, they're not going to take that as, what's he looking at, something I ain't doing right? They're going to look at the confidence side of that. Be there for somebody else. Folks, give somebody grace who does not deserve it. Be like Jesus. Incorporate somebody into your ministry. Folks, all of you, we have, a, we have a, a director's meeting Tuesday night. Constantly saying to the directors, incorporate somebody else into your ministry. Give it away. Build a team. Pastor them, whatever it might be. Because in your notes, everybody needs to be encouraged. Everybody needs somebody on their side. Who's on your side? Whose side are you on? Who could say, yep, Jim O'Leary, Laura O'Leary, they're on my side. You've got your chain. You've got what's happened to you. Yep. But it hasn't stopped you. You want to stick, on, you want to stick a stick in Satan's eye because you want to continue to spread the gospel. You want to continue to stay strong. Everybody needs somebody else. Look at Proverbs 12. This is the new uh, living version. Uh, worry weighs a person down. Don't you know that? Isn't it amazing how worry can really hurt you physically? Spiritually, mentally, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. And that is Paul saying to you and to me, I'm on your side. Now, Christians who are mature here, pick it up. My suggestion to you today is take the passage of Scripture or take the notes for five days. 
Put it where you'll see it several times a day. Here's your devotional for the rest of the week. What, what difference does it make if you read, read all kinds of things you don't remember? But five days, practicing, thinking, who could I pick? Choose five people, six people. Put, let's not just be hearers of the word, let, let's be doers. Take the scripture, passage of scripture, pray it over your grandkids, your spouse, a new Christian, somebody you know. The wonderful thing is it incorporates prayer and action. To not just be praying for them, to constantly talk to them. And some of you are going to send it to each other and you're going to laugh, but you're going to feel loved. And you're going to be moved by the approach and the, and the affection. And you're going to be just seeing what Jesus Christ is doing in their hearts and in your life. So if you're looking for a passage of Scripture to change you and somebody else, you found it. Jesus, we give you permission. Change us. Take this passage of Scripture Help us, Lord, put it somewhere where we see it every day this week. If this passage of Scripture changes us, it'll help change somebody else. It'll help me be an encourager of somebody else, Lord. Right now, by your Spirit, begin to put in the mind's eye of people who it is that needs this encouragement. Maybe somebody we've been pretty tough on. Let's pick up Paul's approach. Let's let people know that we're on their side. Their world is against us enough. And for those of us who have had a chain, a discouragement, a loss, uh, something that has, a, a sickness, whatever it is, we are not going to allow that to stop us from being the people you called us. Paul said he wouldn't. It just caused it to further the kingdom and the spread of the gospel. May that be true of each and every one of us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Rod, you going to come give me